All right, boy, do we have a lot of news to get to today on a Friday show. Good Holy news, cow. too. It's a good news Friday. Mostly it good is news a, Friday. Mostly good news Friday. We'll talk about Frank Anselm. That was the start of the news yesterday, him entering the transfer portal. But then, wow, Judah Mintz from DePaul to Syracuse. I had given up hope, and now the 2022 Dream Class is back on. We have lots to discuss because Judah Mintz has picked Syracuse. What does he bring to the table next year? What does this mean for the 2022 class? We're diving into it next on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky, pumped up to be with you on this Friday morning. Thank you for making us your first listen each and every weekday. We were here with you guys, and we've been sort of going through the offseason, doing some player recaps, waiting for news to break. And then, of course, it was an avalanche of news yesterday. We got to start with the positive news, Ty, which is Judah Mintz, who... I think we both had just conceded to the fact that based on early crystal balls, he was going to DePaul. And man, is this a huge get for a very exciting 2022 class. Well, you saw all the crystal balls start to flip, what, around like 2, 3 o'clock yesterday? And yeah. he was supposed to make that announcement around 4, 5 o'clock. I think he made it at 444. He made yeah. it at 444. Really? Which, I didn't know I mean, that. Awesome. I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Like, I could be totally wrong there. But I, I saw it on Twitter, so therefore it is fact. Um, sure. But, I mean, how about that? The You just didn't – you thought they were out of the running. You thought they were out. It felt like DePaul was the layup. The fans were starting to get a little pessimistic. And, I, I listen, I will take all of the junior mints – jokes next season <laughs> if that's what it takes to to get him to Syracuse then done and done I'm in I can't believe it I, I really can't it, it seemed like it was a dead in the water thought and then there seemed to be some sort of late change of heart and yeah. it ends up helping Syracuse significantly it seemed like all along Jim Beheim was subtly confident that they might get him but then when the DePaul news broke all these crystal balls have been kind of giving it away before the announcement recently and we've talked a lot about how these guys are usually right and it's just the unfortunate nature of it that okay he's going to DePaul and we got to move on here and see who we can get in the transfer portal but then guys started retracting their crystal balls, which yeah, I, I got a question for you. Crystal ball question thing? for you. Crystal ball question for you. Yeah. Do they split there? Do they get a one and one, or do they just get a win because their final prediction was right? I mean, they should get a a big L because what's the point of putting it out there two weeks ahead if you can just say if like, you can I'm retract it thirty minutes before? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's illegal. That's unethical. I don't like it because then it makes you think, oh, well, anyone's probably just throwing out predictions. What do we take from this? But I did like that, although by the point it was 444, as you're saying, he's on ESPN in the middle of that game. We kind of knew he's coming to Syracuse, which is pretty amazing. But I did like that there was a little bit of suspense the day of. We usually don't get that. We usually have been, okay, this is just inevitable. Here it is. And by 2 o'clock, it felt kind of inevitable, maybe 3 o'clock, whatever it was. But, man, like, I never thought that he would be coming at the start of the week. And here we are looking at a six-person class. Jim Beheim is – I'm surprised he's not going on a press tour about this is the best class ever assembled because he was already saying that. And now you had a top 50 kid. This is the guy this that we were – This is the best player in the class. Yeah, this is the, what, what did we say when we talked about the class, kind of grading it, when we thought it was done, five people? We said it's a good class, but it's missing – 
that elite top That's 50 like guy. Yeah. And now you add him. So now it's honestly maybe a great class given Syracuse's recent track record. Exactly. And by the way, credit to Josh Nichols at, at 24-7 High School Hoops. Uh, he's had the scoop. He had the don't rule out Syracuse in the race okay. for Judah Mix. Yeah. And he was right. And this is – he also says, too, in, in his tweet where he's talking about the commitment – an incredible pickup for Syracuse as they added maybe the best scorer in the entire 2022 class. And when I hear that, when I hear maybe the best scorer, this is a team that is going to be bereft of offense next year when they lose Buddy Beheim. Now, is Judah Mintz going to go in there and average 19 points per game? No, he's not. And anyone who puts that expectation on him is doing so unfairly. But could he be a guy that comes in next year and gets you 13 points per game? Maybe. 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 When you're a guy who can get buckets like Judah Mintz can, that translates at the next level, and you usually don't see that wall, that freshman wall, get hit as hard. Whereas a guy like Benny, where there's still some developmental stuff you're working through, you're maybe even growing into your body a little bit more, sometimes there's some hiccups there. That's why you don't see a lot of dominant freshman bigs because that's a process. But when you're a scorer – you go out there and you just get bucket like you can do that at the next level. And that's why I'm confident that he can go out there and have a very impactful freshman season. And people may be on edge a little bit because of what they saw out of Benny in his freshman season. And he was the last highly touted guy Syracuse had come through. But this is a little different because the scoring and the skill set that Judah Mintz possesses is a lot different than what Benny may be going through and getting his bearings down at the college level. And you know what's encouraging, too, is I viewed him based on watching his highlight tape, based on just seeing scouting reports of him and studying up on him a little bit before watching him play as a scorer. And I think I even said at one point on this podcast, he feels like that new age AAU point guard. I don't know if he's actually going to be the best guy to put next to Joe Girard because Samir Torrance is maybe more equipped to be at the point guard position when Joe Girard, more of a score mentality guard is out there and he can play off ball and he can do the things that we saw him do in the Duke game. But then I watched uh, Judah yesterday when Oak Hill was playing in the final game for uh, Smith, the head coach, they ended up losing, but Judah played a really nice game and I was really impressed with just his vision and his passing. And they talked a lot on the broadcast about how he's grown that part of his game as well. So Look, it's all hype at this point, and we'll see if it translates, like you said, at the college level, because I felt really good about Benny. You feel really good about every recruit, and then you got to see what they have when they come. But from what I saw in the Oak Hill game, I was sitting there like, man, this guy would have been perfect. It's too bad he's going to DePaul. And then an hour later, I realized he was going to Syracuse, and it made me even more excited because I think he can play the point guard role, and Joe Girard can be off ball as well. You know who else liked to pass that rock to him? You remember who else liked to pass that rock? Who's that? Your Johnson. Yeah. Remember? And that, this nope. is how this class all started. It's amazing. Isn't that crazy? That- like they they cycled through three really high players. They they once upon a time had three really high profile players commit in this class. And would it have been nice to have all three of them in this class? Yes. But I think the these sort of things, a top 35, top 50 guy at the end of the cycle, they, they don't grow on trees like that down the stretch. Right this late in the cycle they don't and i think when you're syracuse to get something like this to get this little gift here at the end of the cycle you are literally adding your best player in the class on march 31st that doesn't happen and i think for for syracuse that's a really good thing and hopefully 
it leads to some positive recruiting momentum to to ride out Jim Beheim's career and then into whoever's next as the head yeah. coach for Syracuse. He could definitely play off the ball a little bit too as well. He's, he seemed like he was really good in the pick and roll from watching that Oak Hill game. But just looking at where he stacks up, I did a ranking that we tweeted out at our account at LO underscore Syracuse of the top recruits in the ACC era. And this is kind of a disappointing list because sanctions and other stuff, the recruiting hasn't been up to par, but this is now the 13th best class in this cycle, which is the best since 2015 when they had the eighth best class according to 24 sports, at least. And these rankings are all 24-7 sports composite. You had McCullough, 21st. Tyler Ennis was 23rd. Benny, the third highest, 32nd. Tyus Battle, 34th, along with Malachi, 34th. Malachi, the only McDonald's All-American in the ACC era. And then Judah Mint. So sixth best recruit since Syracuse has come over from the ACC, or if you want to say since the 2013 class, which had Tyler Ennis and was the start of a really good season there. He's 53rd on 24-7 Sports Composite. He's also, I think, 35th, last I looked, on ESPN 100. So the 24-7 Sports rankings have him in the low 70s, but the composite says he is very clearly the sixth best recruit that Syracuse has had. After that, it's guys like Jalen Carey, who didn't really pan out, Matt Moyer. But in general, I mean, this is two of the more talented guys now on the same court. When you look ahead to next season, it seems like Benny is definitely coming back, by the way, Jim Bayheim had a cameo where he mentioned that. And then Benny even was tweeting stuff about the excuse. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of confirms it to me. And, and we never really had any doubts about that, but you know, Benny wasn't great last year, but you can't argue against the fact that they have two of the top six in terms of rankings in high school recruits playing on the same court since Syracuse has joined the ACC. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, this is a this is now going from a roster that seemed like it was going to be lacking talent to now all of a sudden might have a decent amount of it. When you talk about the step that Benny could potentially take, couple that with bringing in a guy like Judah Mintz. And then, I mean, don't sleep on a guy like Chris Bunch, too. I think he could be a really solid player. There's certain recruiting services that like him a lot more than others. Like, there are some yeah. places that think he's top 50, top 60 guy, as opposed to some others who think he's outside the top 90, outside the top 100. So there's a little bit of variance there in terms of what he might bring to the table. But I, I think that, listen, Judah Mintz wasn't going to take you over the top, but I think he certainly puts you on the path to get to the NCAA tournament, especially if he can provide that offensive spark that I think this team is so desperately going to need next year. No doubt. All right, it's that time of the year where I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. That is thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. You've got to try the Built Bar Puffs. If you haven't already, they're covered in 100% real chocolate like all of the Built Bars. They're low calorie, they're high in protein, and you can replace your candy bars with these, and they are better a typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. You go to built.com, you scroll down the macros chart, you'll be blown away because most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So it is actually tasting like a candy bar and somehow good for you as well. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15, all one word, for 15% off over at built.com.
So looking at kind of a big picture of the 2022 class, which has been a wild ride to get to this point. Literally, our very first podcast, I remember, was Dior Johnson committing. And that feels like what? I mean, that was pre-COVID. That feels like nine years ago, maybe, when we first did that. So it's amazing how many twists and turns this class has taken. And we were... I remember in the early stages of this cycle doing dream classes, Chance Westry, JJ Starling, Zion Cruz, names that mm-hmm. Donovan Klingon are not on the roster, but they still picked up six recruits, which I'm on record. I think the best teams are still the teams that are experienced. I guess you can point at Duke this year has some youth on their roster. Definitely. They are the probably exception of the final four teams that made it. These other teams like Villanova and Kansas, I think even Jay Wright and Bill Self would tell you, this is not my most talented team, but it's an experienced roster. UNC maybe has one NBA guy in Caleb Love that might get drafted, and that might even be generous. So talent is important, yes, but having experience, having guys that, especially in the case of Syracuse, work their way up, learn the 2-3 zone, learn the system, that's why I think they have a really good mix here because this is a foundation class where they really need to add bodies. And here they are adding six in a variety of different positions as well. I think the one thing experience, no doubt is important, yeah. but I think having the, the continuity as well is important because just because you bring in six guys, doesn't mean that all six guys are going to see this thing out for four years. Obviously I think Judah Mintz has NBA potential. He could be out in a year or two. After that, I mean, you've got some players doubling up at certain positions. What's the playing time path going to look like there? So it may be six, but if you had to guess how many of these guys truly ride it out and see and, and get to hold their jerseys on senior night in the carrier dome, how many would you say do you think are, are there? I mean, I would say senior night, that's tough. I don't think Judah Mintz is one of those guys. I think he has talent to probably be leaving early. He's also going to get some run. I think that's really why Syracuse had some strong selling points to him. Maybe yeah. I think he could be the starter day one, yeah. which is pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think a Peter Carey could be Malik Brown could be there. It's tough to say in this new transfer portal era, but right. maybe three or four of them, but that's also just a shot in the dark. That's a tough question to answer. I do think that, you're looking at a class that is going to get some time as freshmen, which is good because then they're not inclined to leave. Like we saw Frank Anselm leave over playing time or whatever. And they're also going to kind of build up together. They're not going to need to be rushed into it. Like Justin Taylor will play some next year. Then maybe kind of like buddy did, he can make a sophomore leap and be a starter potentially. That's just one example. Right. So I just think the the transfer portal era is so, it's just the giant elephant in the room for all this yeah. stuff. Um, but I, listen, I, I'm excited. I think that especially at the top, you got a little bit better, especially by bringing in someone like Mintz. Another thing that I was thinking about too, when you look at Judah Mintz, and, and obviously we live in this era of NIL, I think this may have been Syracuse's first major NIL victory. In ter- from, on the recruiting trail, like obviously Buddy's a great NIL story, but sure. you always knew he was going to do that. But he was ne- he was never sold into Syracuse from NIL. I think this was Syracuse's first big NIL victory, and here's why. You look at some of the other teams that 
were were in the market for a Judah Mintz at the end, whether it was DePaul, Georgetown, NC State. Obviously, once upon a time, he was at Pitt. Um, but I look at these teams, and what, what do they all have in common? They all play in, in pro sports cities, pretty much. I mean, you look at DePaul, Chicago. DePaul's like the 12th team in town here that people care about. Pittsburgh, it, it's a Steelers city first and foremost, and it's Penguins and, and Pirates, like – Pit pit basketball isn't on the forefront. Just look at sure. their attendance numbers the last couple of years. Georgetown, DC, people don't go to Georgetown games anymore either, <laughs> right? Syracuse is the only show in town. Yeah, and, I mean, I guess NC State and Wake. NC State's a little bit different, but yeah. NC State, who knows what the coaching situation is going to be like there um, down the road. I, I look at Syracuse. I think this is the first NIL victory for them on the recruiting trail from a basketball standpoint. And on three – which is this new recruiting service like Tipton Edits is a big part of On3. They have mm -hmm. this NIL valuation. And I think this is a really fascinating tool that they have put together here. But it's based on how many followers you have, and then it kind of estimates how much you could get per post um, on, on social media. And right now it has them as has Judah Mintz as an NIL valuation of 15.3 grand. So that's an I interesting think, list. I think that number is probably more in Syracuse because I think the fan base is more rabid towards embracing their players. I think there's more opportunities, more places in the community where people would care. Like if he went to DePaul, if he went and did an appearance in the city somewhere in Chicago, I could probably count on two hands how many people would show up to that thing. But Syracuse, you'd have a line down the, the whole damn block to go see a guy like Judah Mintz if he were to do this before the season started. So I, I think that this stuff is really important. And, and for that reason, I, this is Syracuse's first big NIL victory on the recruiting trail. Yeah. It's also just their first class that I've sat back and been like, yeah, that is a Syracuse basketball recruiting class. That's yeah. what it used to be like. And I mentioned it's 13th in the nation. Some of that is you get six players that helps your volume, but still, they had the pieces to add. I remember going back to kind of the 2022 class and how this has been a wild ride. One of our big arguments on this podcast was, will they add a fifth guy? Will they add four guys? How, how big will the class Boom. be? Now we're at six. Now we're at six, which is kind of crazy. And I think I even suggested at one point, like if they do get to six, that's not that bad. It's not a bad thing because there were so many bodies to fill. And we're seeing that with guys like Jimmy leaving. We'll see about Cole Swider now. And, We'll talk more next week about just the state of the rotation and does this make them a bubble team? Does this make them bigger than a bubble team and whatnot? But it's their best class since 2015, and I, it's pretty funny. I Yesterday, I was trying to find the quote of Jim Beheim says this is the best recruiting class ever to screenshot it and tweet it out and, and make a joke of it because he said that before Judah Mintz committed. This right. was a couple months ago, and I looked it up and – it was like 2015 date on it. Jim Beheim, this is our best recruiting class oh, ever. Boy. So he said that about the 2015 class. 2015 too, was, was a good date. one, though. It was very was good. A good that, one. that, that class got to the final Leiden. four. Yeah. And Frank Howard. So, I don't know. It's just funny that it's like our two good classes in recent memory, he said, have been the best ever. So just be on the lookout. Maybe in 2026, he's going to run that one back and I'll get a kick out of it. If he's still coaching in 2026, too. Yeah, that, that's I mean, true. And, and that's another thing, too, <laughs> um, when you evaluate sort of the long term of this class. I, I doubt Jim Beheim is coaching these guys as seniors. Uh, I, it would be, I, you'd be really hard pressed to find him coaching these guys as seniors. But yeah. you also know this they know the plan. 
they know what this plan is in terms of what, when Jim's going to step down. And I don't think they commit to Syracuse without knowing what the, or at least have an outline of what a plan might look like. It, maybe all they know is it's between Jerry and, and Red. Maybe that's all they know. And they know that they're not going to be coached by Jim Beheim when it's all said and done. Um, but I don't think they commit. I, I find it very hard to believe that you yeah. bring six guys in and they not know the plan. Because obviously the the cloud is there. People know this is going to happen at some point, all likely in the near future, where he is going to to step down as the head coach of Syracuse. Um, but I, I, you don't get six guys without there being some sort of plan, or as he likes yeah. to call it, like an ironclad plan or whatever the hell it was. It it is sort of odd timing for our best class in a while. I guess there was volume to be had, there was roles to be filled. And he always targeted and said 2022 is going to be a big class for us, Beheim. But maybe this means that he's told them multiple years he'll be coaching them. Who knows? I think I still feel like this could be his last year next year. And, you know, they all are comfortable probably with whoever's going to be the next head coach. And maybe they've said, yeah, I mean, keep in mind blank. the guy that that probably recruited them, maybe yeah. their next coach, so whether it's GMAC, whether it's red, the guy going out and doing the recruiting and that's that's the same thing that you saw at Duke, right? And the same mm -hmm. thing you saw at Carolina. That's why there was continuity, even, and that's why Duke is still able to get the guys that they're getting. It's because there's continuity. You know what the plan is, and I think that's important. I think these kids know what the plan is. Yeah. All right, we will dive into the negative news. Frank Anselm entering the transfer portal. What that means for Syracuse's center situation going forward where he might end up that type of discussion in a little bit. After months of playing, though, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming weekend. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. You name it, they've got it over at BetOnline. It remains the best spot for all of your sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. Not just basketball, too. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games are over there. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So Frank Anselm has entered the transfer portal and I think we were sort of like 50, 50. I forget if we ever made an official proclamation on whether we thought he was coming back or not, but after last year and the rumblings and then this year he did get those starter minutes, which we talked about. Maybe that'll be an opportunity for him to showcase that he could be a starter somewhere else. Maybe that'll make him more happy in his role going into next year. I think it does kind of make sense from Frank's perspective because Jesse is clearly ahead of him and Jim mm -hmm. Beheim just doesn't play his bench that much. Now, I guess you could say Jesse's going to get in some foul trouble next year, but I also think some people are tweeting like, oh, maybe he'll enter and come back. It seems like based on his note that he said to the Syracuse fans, which I thought was a good way of handling the situation, he was like, you got to start anew or something. It doesn't seem like he's holding out much hope that he will be back at Syracuse next year. I guess you would say that regardless, but it feels like this is probably time to move on and try to find a backup center. I'm with you. I don't think this is a comeback and test the waters sort of, or not test the waters, but see what at yeah. least is out there um, from a, a, a transfer standpoint. But I look at now 
that he is in the transfer portal. I do think Syracuse, obviously you're not going to get a center. You're not bringing in a seventh guy to this class. I think we can agree on that one, right? <laughs> um, I think you've hit your limit there. But right. I, I do think you have to go out into the transfer portal and look for some sort of center. I, I do, because I, I don't love the prospect of Jesse, who obviously is already in uh, a situation where he does foul a lot and does get in foul trouble. I wouldn't want to go out and press someone like a Peter Carey to be that guy right away. I don't think he'll, he obviously doesn't seem very ready based on the uh, initial. And again, he hasn't played a whole lot of basketball the last couple of years because of injuries, COVID, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So you, you have to at this point. And listen, <laughs> there's even more players in the transfer portal this year than there were last year. I just looked right. on verbal commits. There's over a thousand players in the portal right now. And that number is only going to grow. So I'm just sort of perusing through some of these guys. I mean, you've got a guy like Efton Reed from LSU. I mean, th he's going to be – that's big fish hunting right there. Yeah, um, I don't think he would come. With I'm just looking through. Yeah. Like, I think there's – I think there is some talent out there. And if you can get a guy who's maybe a once-upon-a-time three-star guy and or maybe you get a guy who, who's from the mid-major ranks and played really well there, I think that that's, this is an appealing spot because – yeah, you're going to be the backup, but you're a backup that still has the potential to play 15 to 20 minutes a night just based on the guy in front of you has a history of fouling a lot and really hasn't seemed to curve any of those doubts that he's going to be a guy that fouls a lot. Yeah, I think the obvious name at this point is Quincy Ballard just because he's already in the portal for Florida State. It'd be very similar to Simeir Torrance last year losing out on the original local Syracuse kid to another Power 5 school. Ballard went to Florida State. He did play against Syracuse in the Dome, which felt like sort of a nod from Leonard Hamilton courtesy, that he yeah. understood. Yeah, he hasn't been much of a factor for them, and they play a lot of dudes. And I don't know if he's really developed a ton. I mean, it felt like he was going to work out at Florida State because if there was ever a school to kind of develop his skill set and use his skill set, it would be FSU. So I'd be interested in – do we see anything in the coming weeks? Jim Beheim has reached out to Ballard, that type of conversation. Kudus Wahab is also in the portal from Georgetown, then Maryland. What I don't know, and I hand up, I probably should know this, but I thought he would have to sit out a year if he went back into the portal. So I don't know if it's maybe a grad transfer type of situation. Maybe that, that would be the way I think around it. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if he's entering the portal, he probably can play next year would be my guess. I don't think he's going to change teams and sit out a year at this or point. Or I wonder if he can career. get some sort of waiver with a new coach. Maybe. Oh, that's, that's a good it. point. Yeah, because Maryland. But yeah, so that's probably the angle he's going for that. I hadn't even considered that. So he's a guy that Syracuse is after originally went to Georgetown, then went to Maryland. He's been pretty successful, but yeah. I think, I think he, he's going to a place where he can start. Probably. Yeah. So I, I think he falls in the Efton Reed camp. I think Quincy Ballard does make sense, but and again, you're not looking for some guy who's going to go out there and average a double, double for you. You're, you're looking for a backup. Yeah, yeah. You're looking for a backup here. So you don't have to necessarily shoot for the stars in, in this sort of role here. You're looking for a nice backup piece that if I'm if I'm Syracuse, I'm looking for a defensive player, a defensive center here, a rim protector. I think yeah. that's what you need. An athletic Honestly, rim protector. If they added Quincy Ballard, I think that would make sense. And I think I'd be sort of indifferent on what it does to the team. But I will say this. If you thought Jesse losing him this year was crippling, if you lose him to an injury next year, which obviously you never want to plan for, and I don't think the wrist injury 
says anything about his durability necessarily. It's no. not like he's coming off a knee injury, but still, you know, Jim Beheim keeps bringing up losing Jesse killed us. Well, you had Frank this year. Who are you going to put there if you do have Jesse run into? And then you had Barama next year too. Yeah, and Barama gave you too, some yeah. really Who, strong minutes at the end of the season. Right. So, so you, I, yeah, you, I mean, I'm with you. I I would say if they go into next year in the current center situation, that's a mistake because from what I've heard about Peter Carey. Could be a good player down the road, but I don't necessarily want him forced into a starting role if Jesse gets hurt. And I get that the chances of Jesse getting hurt aren't that high, but I don't want our entire season to hinge on the fact that if one guy gets hurt, our team crumbles. Right. I I'm with you there. You, you need some sort of depth piece. And I think now that Judah Mintz and pretty much recruiting for Syracuse, at least in terms of high school players, now that all that seems to be in the rearview mirror, I think you'll start to see their name pop up in the school X. Like whenever you yeah. see Jeff Goodman tweet out all these schools that have reached out, I think you'll start to see Syracuse included in some of those lists. Now, now that you have pretty much your recruiting class set, I'd be very shocked if they went after a seventh guy. I don't think they should go after a seventh guy from a recruiting standpoint. I think now is when you attack the portal. Now you got to look at a backup center. And then whenever Cole makes his decision, you, you address that at that given time too. Right. Well, we will be talking about that next week. Unfortunately, it's just going to be me talking about that because it is the end of an era here on the podcast. You're moving on to bigger and better things. So Tyler will not be with us next week. This is your final podcast, which is honestly, and it's kind of sad, but also kind of fitting that we started talking about Dior. That was our first pod. And our last pod is Judah Mintz and the 2022 mm -hmm. classes. At least we think now complete. So after all that, it's the, I, I did one recruiting cycle. I did one yeah, recruiting cycle. Much. That's what I, I put it. That's the work I put in here for locked on Syracuse. No, it's funny. Like the first show we did was talking about the guy that we thought was going to be the best Syracuse recruit for the class of 2022. And the last guy, or in the last show I did was is right. the, us talking about the guy who we think is going to be the best recruit in the class of 2022. But no, I mean, Tim, you, you and I, we've been doing shows forever, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, you talk about going back to even when we were in, in college and stuff like that, working for Orange Fizz, like we would do the, the podcast every, every single week there. Um, so we've been doing shows together now, probably close to five years. Yeah. I mean, which is crazy to think, but it was funny. I remember when we saw each other at Pinehurst last year, that was maybe after a year and a half of not seeing each other. And when I mm -hmm. saw you in person, it was just like, Oh, I talked to you every day. Like I, I see you day. on Zoom yeah. every day. Like it, it didn't really <laughs> feel like I hadn't seen you, but then right. you, you realize like, Oh crap. Like it has been like two years since we've been face to face in person or whatever it was, which is yeah. Funny. No, it, it was. And listen, I'm going to miss doing the show with you every single day. It's in good hands with you taking over. Um, and I'm still looking forward to listening. I'm still obviously going to follow everything that's going on with Locked on Syracuse, but it's in yeah. good hands. Where, um, you're going to have to care. You've been carrying the, the show for, for two and a half years. <laughs> I'm just going to have to do even a little bit more carrying now for, for yeah. the next handful of, of shows. So uh, good luck to you. I'll be, I'll be watching. I'll be listening. Um, and it's been fun, man. It's been really fun. Yeah. It has been a blast and it is kind of crazy. It's sort of been a whirlwind in this 2022 class. And I don't know how many pods we've done. It's probably up there. I have the number. Hold on. Give okay. me one second. Vamp yeah. up. Come on. One last teamwork exercise. I'll, I'll vamp, here. I'll I mean, this is what I'm going to have to be doing next week when you're Yeah. Gone. So this is good. This is good practice for you right here. This is, this is episode 555 for us wow. on Locked on Syracuse, believe it or not. 
So, yeah, we didn't really want to make a, a big to do of the thing, but I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that have been along for a lot of those 555 episodes that we've done together. And we appreciate all those people listening. And Tyler's moving on. You can still, I'm sure he'll still be doing Syracuse tweets every once in a while and stuff like that. I'll tweet out the, the sad auto, but I yes, don't think I'll have to tweet favorite. it out as much. I don't think I'll have to tweet it out as much next year. Right. But um, so anyway, that's going to wrap up this week on the pod and I'll be back with you guys next week, previewing what we do from here for Syracuse basketball transfer portal wise, any other news that comes out, we'll have you updated and just taking a look at what the rotation will be next year and what that means for Syracuse down the road and their likelihood of maybe making the NCAA tournament next year. So thanks for listening today, and we'll be back with you guys next week.